Hello and welcome to Doc to Me. My name is Heather. And I'm Kathleen. Why did I need a script for my name? <laughs> because it is late at night <laughs> and you are late. guaranteed to forget. And this week we are covering Pepsi, Where's My Jet? Before we get into anything else, you can follow us on Twitter and or join our Facebook group. Info for that can be found in the show notes. If you'd like to email us comments or suggestions or donate to us at PayPal, our email address is doctomepod at gmail.com. We appreciate any help, whether it's a way we can make this podcast better or just a dollar. I've only had one beer. (laughs) Send us your recommendations, especially. We love any kind of, hey, you should check this out. Yes. This docuseries premiered on Netflix on November 17th, 2022, and was directed by Andrew Renzi. Okay, let's get into it because there are four episodes of this to cover. I feel like it could have been two. They immediately start off with the Pepsi Coke taste test, which I feel like I could easily do. One soda is a delicious caramel dream, while the other is like battery acid based on what it does to my stomach. It's like when you go to a restaurant and they're like, I'm sorry, we don't have Pepsi. Will Coke be okay? Uh, can you kindly go fuck yourself? And also, I'll just have tap water. Thanks. <laughs> I hate Coke. Also, I would never treat wait staff that way. <laughs> so before we go any further, let's just go ahead and take our own Pepsi challenge. Okay, our lovely assistant Andrew is bringing them over to us. So that I can't see the letter at the bottom that says what is what it is. Gosh, it's like I he's thought never... it was genius. Like he's never done a Pepsi challenge. I mean, we don't have those fancy silver cups the within the cups. In the... Well, it doesn't matter. You like RC Cola, so. <gasps> that is a sin. Okay, are you ready? I feel like it's pretty easy. Wait, did you bring over? Oh, you brought over a Coke. She brought over a Coke. Oh, wait, we have Pepsi. That's right. Of course, we always have Pepsi. We're a Pepsi family. The choice of a generation. We're a whatever we get. You don't throw a fit. Oh, mm. boy. This is the Pepsi. It is. It's on the bottom bottom. Evan. P for Pepsi. Penis. P for penis. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day, wieners. You still trying to... I'm still trying thirsty? to decide. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also quenching my thirst. Um, I'm going to say... i say this one's Pepsi. Yep. Yay! <laughs> we got it. <laughs> Nailed it! Although I think in their test, they were just seeing which one they liked better, and Coke won, unfortunately. Oh, Pepsi was better, though. <laughs> Pepsi is tastes better, though. Pepsi does taste like, better. Like, I couldn't finish the other one. It's too... Coke is just too flat. Like, it's... Well, maybe you just got a shitty Coke, too. <laughs> that is possible. It was a McDonald's Coke, for the record. <laughs> And then they went into the commercial wars of the 90s, and Pepsi had some great ads, but honestly, nothing beats the 7-Up ads. Do you remember those when their slogan was, make 7-Up yours, and then they released shirts that said, make 7 on the front and up yours on the back? It was fucking genius. Yes, that was pretty. Plus, I mean, you think of 7-Up, like you think of like soothing when you're sick. Yes. (laughs) For all those vomit moments. The next idea for Pepsi was to create Pepsi points. This is something that companies still do. Uh, Pepsi stuff was a loyalty program launched by PepsiCo, and we're going to be saying Pepsi and PepsiCo a lot through this. (laughs) Launched on March 28, 1996 in North America, and then eventually global, you would collect Pepsi points from specially marked Pepsi packages and cash them in for all kinds of stuff through the catalog or online. You could get shirts, hats, jacket, bags, basically anything you could slap a Pepsi logo on. Which, I mean, that's just merchandising. Yeah. Easiest thing in the book. Yeah, you're like paying to advertise for them, basically. Yes. Even my company does that. Like, I mean, who doesn't want stuff with a name on it? Yes. Speaking of which, if you email us and request a sticker, I will send it to you. Yes. (laughs) And they're really cute stickers. 
Uh, and you could also buy points for 10 cents each, which would become an issue later on. And I wanted one of those leather jackets. Um, I wonder if we can find one on eBay. You can. <laughs> I found some for like 70, 80 bucks. I know what I'm getting you for Christmas. <laughs> Anyway, to get to the to get this campaign started, they released a commercial featuring some of the things you could get with your points, including a Pepsi branded Harrier jet for seven million points. The problem with this is there's no small print that says you can't actually get the jet. But the one guy working for PepsiCo is like, well, it's clearly a joke. It's like, is it, sir? Is it really? Do you remember seeing that commercial? I do remember seeing that commercial. I remember as a child thinking you could get the jet. Yeah, and I mean, when you go into what they were basing it off of, like, you could get those things as well. Yes. Seattle, Washington, 1995, John Leonard, 20 years old and attending a small community college outside of Seattle. They also interview his mom in this, and she's fun. She is. (laughs) She's feisty. Also, I can't stress enough, the music in this series is so great. It is perfection. It is like our, you know, early I feel childhood. Like the only other one we really had with the music was the Woodstock one, but that's literally about music. I don't think that counts. No, it doesn't. They, oh, they nailed the soundtrack. Maybe the one. Whites one, but that was more to go along with the weird hillbilly tap dancing on picnic <laughs> tables. <laughs> like you don't dance on picnic tables. You got me. He first hears about the Pepsi points in the jet from a buddy of his who says he was collecting the points to pull together with some other buddies to save up to get it. Yeah, like their whole office was like just yeah. pulling their Pepsi points. So for the people working at PepsiCo saying it was clearly a joke and no one else other than John tried to get it, not true. Not too long after that conversation, John's at home watching TV when he sees the commercial with the jet and he notices that there's no fine print. There is absolutely nothing in the commercial that says this item doesn't actually exist. And you know that like people are all about the disclaimers at the bottom of the fucking yes. television screen that you can't even really read. Oh yeah, we're a very litigious country. Oh yes. <laughs> and, and one of the guys says, well, it's computer generated, so you can't get it. Like, no, Harrier Jets do exist. Yeah, just because <laughs> your version was computer generated doesn't mean that there isn't actually one out there for me to have. Harrier jets normally go for about $30 million, which if you wanted to get enough points for that, John calculates that it would take him and his family 100 years if they drank 190 Pepsis a day. The kidney damage. The dental damage. Like, can you just imagine the number of, like, cavities that you would need? (laughs) You wouldn't have any teeth left. And also, is that 190 each or 190 as a family? family, I don't know. They weren't... There was no fine print on what they meant by that. I'm going to need further (laughs) information. I drink two to three Pepsis a day, and even I know that's too much. I can't imagine 190. Then we go to this hippie dude who lives somewhere on a mountain and won't give you his address or even a general description of where he lives because, quote, I don't want you stealing my damn trout. I won't tell you the address. You don't steal all my fucking trout. He's a gem. (laughs) I loved this man (laughs) i'm I'm definitely using that for the next time i run into like an old high school friend (laughs) where are you living at these days why you want to come steal all my fucking trout you're gonna steal all my fucking trout disclaimer heather doesn't have any trout no i'm also not telling you where i live anyway that's because i don't want anyone showing up (laughs) at my door but and then we finally found out find out this dude's name is todd hoffman and i can't hear the name todd without hearing it in pierce's voice on community todd <laughs> they took a long time to get to his name they See, am like traveling on motorcycles. when i hear todd i think of the roommate in um bojack horseman oh <laughs> <laughs> mr peanut butter and all the, all the gang his whole motto is to go out and have adventures you may have a hundred adventures where five of them, you fall on your head, you get stitches, had a broken leg, but 95 of those times, you had a great time. I think if I'm breaking my leg five of those times, I feel like that's more than I can afford in hospital bills. Well, all I can think is, so clearly he doesn't have to worry about paying medical bills for those five, five back times, and he sounds like Tommy Chong. <laughs> no, this dude smokes a lot of weed. <laughs> hey, man. 
So yeah, it seems like this dude came for money and basically got to do whatever he wanted and travel wherever. Eventually, he developed a huge brain tumor and once that was removed and he got better, he went back to mountain climbing. And he talks about how it gave him so many headaches and it's like, no shit, dude. You basically had brain surgery and then went into high altitudes. Yeah, you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> like even your doctor suggested that you find another hobby. Yeah. So this is halfway through episode one, and I'm just wondering where all of this is going. Where's the jet? <laughs> In this four, is this four episodes? Because a lot of the shit that just doesn't need to be included. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of backstory. and There's a lot of, like, friendships and yes. bros and just. And that's when we finally get to, on this trip, John, our main guy, was his guide. So that's how they met. If you want to tell someone your life story, I'm not the person you talk to. What do you need from me? What's the point? Just get to the main point of your story. I don't need, like, it was a long-ass time of him talking about himself and his life. Yeah. I don't see, have patience. I can talk for a long-ass time, but it's never, like, about myself. It's just yeah. random bullshit. Yeah. So then it goes into how their friendship built and all the mountains they went climbing together, blah, blah, blah. They finally get to the whole point of Todd being here. John wants Todd to invest in buying Pepsi so they can get the jet. It's only like $2 million. <laughs> so John writes, starts to write up a business plan because Todd's a business guy, even though it's generational wealth, but whatever. Eh. And this requires them to play audio clips of a dot matrix printer, which is not a sound I miss at all. I had PTSD thinking about my very first job working in retail and where our printer would print all of our emails every morning. Oh my God. And oh boy. How long did that take? Fucking hours. <laughs> so this business plan adds up to $4.3 million to pay for the material, labor, and storage of Pepsi cans. But 4.3 is still a hell of a lot better deal than $32 million outright for the jet. Each 12-pack provides five points, so they would need to buy 1.4 million 12-packs to get 7 million points. All of that equals 16 million cans of Pepsi. I just can't even fathom, like, <laughs> you know, the whole, like, like you said, like the storage costs. They were talking about, like, warehouses yes. just to store Pepsi in. And to find a space to store all that Pepsi would require an area of 600,000 cubic feet. To buy, move, and acquire the points would require, would require about 45 people spread out over six areas because one area is not going to have that many Pepsi cans to buy. No, they would have been clearing out grocery stores. <laughs> God damn it, it's the Pepsi people again. And would take them three months to do this. Todd's first question in response to this business plan is, is it even legal to own a Harrier jet? <laughs> well, let's consult our sources. Solid first question. So John somehow gets into contact with Kenneth Bacon, the former Pentagon spokesman under Clinton, or Kevin Bacon, as John refers to him. <laughs> also known as the actor in Footloose. <laughs> and Ken's like, yeah, the public can own one, but it has to be basically a bare bones one. You have right, to take you out strip it down. any weapon systems. Second question Ton has is once you have the jet, what are you going to do with it? John's first response is to just have people pay to take rides in it like it's a fucking Disney ride. Because that's something I want some college student doing. But it's a single seater, so that's out. <laughs> like, oh, you can pay me to take it up on your own with zero experience. So he says, well, maybe we could rent it out, which, yeah, that might be viable. They don't want to turn around and sell it right away because that might make it look like they were just trying to get one on Pepsi. And I'm not sure why that even mattered. Yeah, like, it's free to do with as you please. Like, I don't think that there are any stipulations on it. But also, like, even renting it out doesn't seem like it would be that lucrative because, like, the pilot herself says, like, you have to have special training because yeah. of, like... And can you get insurance on something like that if you crash it? Yeah, I mean, like, could you imagine his premiums? Just think about them. Not to mention... It's like, bad enough where, getting car insurance when you're 20 as a dude. Like, <laughs> Where are you going to store it at? Because then you're going to have to pay for it to be stored somewhere. Um, I like how he pointed out that little patch in his yard that he was going to park yeah. it. Yeah. Like, you're just going to leave this fucking, like, fighter jet <laughs> out in your lawn? Like, some kind of tractor? 
So Todd's third concern is, what if they don't get the points on time? So this is when the business plan falls through between them. A little time later, John is in a convenience store when he sees a Pepsi display with some Pepsi Point catalogs. Looking through it, he notices some fine print at the end of the catalog that mentions that when you submit for whatever item you wanted, you needed at least 15 points, and the rest of the points could be bought at 10 cents each. So like if a pair of socks were 25 points, you would submit your 15 points and then send in an additional dollar for remaining points and then whatever else for shipping and handling. Which is a fucking deal. Yeah. Like 10 cents? So now he went from $4.3 million with his original plan to $708.50 for this fucking jet. He runs home to call Todd and reaches his voicemail. (laughs) So he leaves him a message and keeps calling him on several different phones and Todd agrees to it. So now the plan is back alive. And it's cheaper. Second Second episode, we start off in Antarctica. So just another way to stretch this out longer than it needs to be. I get it. They have a beautiful friendship together, but don't call this Pepsi Wears by Jet when really it should be Todd and John have some adventures. (laughs) Todd and John bonding hours. (laughs) Then they tie this together with, we're here in Antarctica to climb a mountain, much like how we climbed a mountain with Pepsi. Shut the fuck up. (laughs) Netflix is so worried about money lost on password sharing. How did they spend money to send people to film this in Antarctica (laughs) it couldn't have been cheap so back to the story they fill out the form and don't see a spot to check for the jet so they just write it in and send the check along with the 15 points it's like people doing their own write-in ballot (laughs) yeah Todd doesn't want this check to get lost in the mail so John goes down to Florida to pick it up from him and then flies to Minnesota to drop it off in person John arrives at the address and it's a post office, which is also closed because it's a Saturday. Of course it is. Not sure why this stuff is going straight to a post office. Like, is there not a P.O. box? And if it was addressed as a P.O. box, did no one know that a P.O. box is short for a post office box? Well, and that's, it has Very to, confusing. it has to have been. Like, you, you know, when, it, so, when it's a post whatever. office, it's a P.O. box. It's just, that's how it works. I mean. Also, it's been six months since John first saw the commercial. They like throughout it they'll periodically update you on the timeline so john is able to get into contact with someone inside the post office building and says he told the guy he needed to put this envelope into a specific p.o box so he did know it needed to be a p.o box so of course the address would have led to a post office it's so annoying this man did You're zero grown research. Adults. <laughs> so again six months of planning and no one knew what a p.o box was i can't He's only 20. (laughs) So now it's a waiting game. Uh, Brian, I assume it's Sweat. S-W-E-T-T-E. I can't imagine it being sweet. Oh, I thought it was like sweaty or sweetie. I don't know. Sweat. I hope it's Brian Sweaty. (laughs) (laughs) Brian Sweetie? A former chief marketing officer seems to be the first higher up to hear about someone actually sending in for the jet. All the execs seem to agree that clearly the jet was a joke and that this was just some money grab and they want this to go away because acknowledging it would encourage other people to try the same thing. And my response along with I think everybody else's should have had a disclaimer on the commercial. No shit, Sherlock. (laughs) How did you think that no one would take you up on this offer? They're just lucky that not everyone had (laughs) $700,000 laying around. Instead of the first person shredding the check and form and pretending they never received it and maybe it got lost in the mail, they take this to the lawyers. Like, why wouldn't you just pretend you never got it? For real. (laughs) I'm like the queen of avoidance. Like, I just pretend like it never happened and it goes away. The U.S. Postal Service isn't known as, like, high quality. (laughs) Like, shit gets lost all the time. Shout out to whoever chose the music for this series because then they just threw some cake at us and just as I was starting to drift off again, they reeled me back in. (laughs) It's a waiting game for John and Todd and at some point John is wondering if the envelope got lost somehow because they hadn't heard anything and now I'm going back to why didn't Pepsi just laugh and pretend they never received it. The execs are wondering if they should just cash the check and send John the model they used in the commercial. (laughs) <laughs> Which that would have been brilliant, honestly. 
May 7th, 1996, John receives a letter from Pepsi basically saying thanks for the effort, but it was clearly meant to be a joke. And also here's some coupons. For two free cases of Pepsi. Uh, That's a good deal. I would have cashed those immediately. I know. But at least Pepsi didn't cash the check. I feel like you could have at least offered them a free trip to come visit the headquarters or something. Yeah, like like come get a tour. Yeah. This dude went out and got investors to try to (laughs) redeem this prize. You got to give them something more than coupons. Then they go back into the cola wars and making commercials and the process of making a commercial to showcase the Pepsi Point stuff. Why are we going back to this again? I didn't know that Michael Jackson caught on fire during his Pepsi commercial. Are you serious? I know, I know, but I just... That's a big thing. (laughs) I was living under a rock, apparently. Yeah, because then there was a huge theory about he caught on fire and died, and then they replaced him, and that's why he got super white and weird. Yes, that's (laughs) why he got super white and weird. It had nothing to do with family (laughs) and trauma. And maybe he wouldn't have stared at buttholes. Um, <laughs> did you ever watch that documentary? No, I couldn't bring myself to do it. I couldn't. Because you told you said the buttholes, and I was like, I'm done. That's like, it. I'm out. Little boy buttholes. Gross. Uh, maybe this was the wrong thing to watch when I'm trying to get off nicotine. Because I was just getting like, get to the point. I was just in a bad mood. It was too long. <sighs> just too long. So the guy in charge of this commercial, Michael Patty, who I really enjoyed he's the former creative director of the ad agency he got inspiration from the old neiman marcus christmas catalogs the last page would feature a fantasy gift something super expensive that hardly anyone could afford the thing is i never heard michael mention if this fantasy gift was fake or real I'm was it pretty sure because like buy? i'm pretty sure that neiman marcus still does this and it's something attainable like i'm pretty sure you can buy their wacky ass shit and their wacky ass catalog if yes then how are people supposed to know that your ad for a jet wasn't real if you're basing it on something that you could buy why would you have something you couldn't and frankly the prices in that catalog weren't even that outrageous i know it was the early 90s (laughs) and so times are a little different the neiman marcus ones they were showing those were not the 90s those were like old old ones Okay, they had to have been because yeah, it was like you could the two man sub, sub yeah. for like twelve hundred dollars. There's no way that's from the nineties. Oh, I thought it was like twelve thousand dollars. Oh, <laughs> but I'm over here like fuck yeah, man. That's cheaper than a car. I'll just do all my travel through water. So yeah, if they were somehow supposed to know that this thing you base it on was something you could buy, but this commercial was something you couldn't like. There's poor no planning. fine print on the fucking commercial. <laughs> and literally, there's fine print on everything. Yes. And then we go into an interview with Colonel Jenna Dolan, and the only thing I really care about discussing is her call sign. Dookie. <laughs> it was Dookie. She was the first woman to fly a Harrier jet operationally and in combat, and talks about how this jet can fly backwards, and still I, all I can focus on is Dookie. It literally, this fucking thing can hover. But her call sign is dookie. But her call sign is dookie. Like, I just don't understand that. If we're going to go with poop-centric call signs, I want to be floater. What would yours be? (laughs) Um, Oh, God. What would mine be? Corn Um, nugget. (laughs) Skid mark, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, but that makes it sound like you crash all the time. And discussing how this commercial got made just goes to show several people signed off on this idea of having the jet in it, which makes it worse than no one thought it was a bad idea or even mentioned to make sure there's a disclaimer that the jet wasn't a real prize. We go back to Antarctica again for more filler. Todd and John look into talking to an attorney and Todd knows just the guy, Larry Shantz. Good He's old Larry. got quite the laugh. And then were they playing Iglesias in the background? I believe so. Balamo, let the rhythm take you over, Larry Shantz. <laughs> take you, amor So Larry and some fellow lawyer friends watch the commercial, and they all finally come to agreement that, yeah, there's something here. 
So they draft a letter to PepsiCo basically saying, you offered this, we accepted it, and met the requirements, give us the jet. Balamo! That was just stuck in my head the rest of the day. I mean, all I can focus on is the <laughs> fact that, like, he's got, like, some serious shakes going on. <laughs> he had, like, a weird laugh. It was, like, high-pitched, unexpected. I mean, I'll forgive it because the man's, like, 95. <laughs> His name's Shantz. July 1996, John gets a call from a reporter at the Wall Street Journal who asks if he's the same John Leonard that Pepsi just sued today in federal district court in New York. Uh-oh, that's how John found out from a reporter. Really bad on Pepsi to just go straight to a lawsuit. It was kind of crazy. Yeah, I mean, he it's hadn't a dick even... dick move. Nobody had sued yet. It was just, they were just like, let's get ahead of this. <laughs> Since John had a heads up on the lawsuit, he just spent his time avoiding being served. And then his mom apparently started acting out scenes from Goodfellas and swore she heard helicopters flying over their house. <laughs> Ma'am, are you on Coke? No, she's on Pepsi. <laughs> eventually, the process server just leaves the papers on his parents' doorsteps. Which I didn't think you could do, but I guess eventually if you're, you know, really trying to I mean, to beat if they it. could prove that you live there. Makes sense. Basically, Pepsi is taking the side that it's illegal for someone to buy a Harrier jet, and for any offer to be legitimate, it has to be legal. But I thought that John talked to Kenneth Kevin Bacon, who said it was legal to own one. But who knew the guy who worked for Clinton and leaked Linda Tripp's arrest record to the media wasn't trustworthy. Oops. <laughs> so John countersues for $15,000 in legal fees. Very reasonable. Yeah, like, I would have been just all over the place. <laughs> and, like, emotional fees and damages. <laughs> and then Pepsi turns around and re-releases the same ad, except they changed the price of the jet from 7 million points to 700 million points. And then they release it again, where they finally put out a disclaimer that the jet was a joke. And literally just say, just kidding. <laughs> Which tells me that even if you thought it was a joke as a company, that didn't get passed down to the consumers, and now you're admitting a fault. That's on you. You didn't even just change you it once. Up. You changed it twice. Yes. Like, <laughs> Jeff, You were like, let's make it an outrageous amount of money, <laughs> and then also... We're going to have to come back and say just kidding because it's still a risk. Jeff Mortos, who's the evil bald villain in this, and I had to actually look up what his role was because I don't remember seeing it, but he was the COO of PepsiCo. His stance is that it was clearly a joke and he didn't want to add the disclaimer because it would ruin the joke. And then we go to Michael Patty, who worked for the ad agency, who responses, yeah, it was an ambition of guilt. So after John countersues, Pepsi finally calls to set up a settlement conference. And this is going on 10 months after John saw the commercial. I love that he goes to Sears to get yeah. his suit. <laughs> Todd, John, and Larry hanging out in New York. That, that would have been a blast. Just a couple of dudes. So it's a back and forth between PepsiCo lawyers and these three. Okay, what do you want? Well, we want the jet. Okay, well, that's obviously not possible, so let's settle on some money. They offer three quarters up to a million dollars, which isn't nothing. It is not, but also, why would you even give a range? Because obviously, I'm not going to settle for, like, three quarters <laughs> of a million if I could get a million. Like, it wouldn't do anything to improve Todd's life, but that would have really impacted John's. John is in his early 20s. Even getting a tenth of that would have been an amazing start in life. Seriously. No student loan debt. Well, but in the 90s, it wasn't like it is now. <laughs> no student loan debt for his kids. But John's a fucking idiot. <laughs> he wants the jet or the cash equivalent of it, which would be around $30 million. You put nothing into this except for some Pepsis, and you have the chance to walk away with a nice little setup for someone in their 20s. Well, so, the 700000 No, but that was Todd's. And Todd got that check back, so... Well, I would think that if they want it, well... I and Todd you're... was like, this is you. This isn't me. I'm not making the decision. I guess that's true. Like, if, yeah, if you can. This was just that... an adventure for Todd. <sighs> He's got money. <laughs> yeah, if you, if you consider the fact that, like, yeah, you're right. Like, he wouldn't have to pay for the settlement amount. But, I don't know. I think that, like, if you want the jet, you should still have to pony up that 700000 <laughs> <laughs> So, they need a tougher lawyer to further deal with Pepsi and this is when Michael Envidati comes in. 
You may know him better as the attorney who represented Stormy Daniels in her lawsuit seeking to invalidate a non-disclosure agreement in regards to an alleged affair with Donald Trump. Even though I feel like if you pay her off, then it's not really alleged anymore. Yeah, but it's pretty clear that you had something <laughs> to pay off for. Don't know why you would pay her off or even have an NDA if there wasn't an affair, but whatever. Alleged. Episode three, we start with Antarctica again. <laughs> it's like, oh my God. Fucking Antarctica. Todd has recently been diagnosed with cancer, but climbing is more important to him. Yeah, literally, he needs to have another tumor <laughs> removed. And there, he's just like, yeah, well... We'll see how it turns out on this fucking expedition. As, you know, someone who had their dad died six months ago, not even six months ago, because he let cancer just go undiagnosed for so long. That kind of pissed me off. You have the money to pay for the health (laughs) care. But let's go climbing some more. And then we go back to discussing Michael Avenatti, who is currently under house arrest during his interviews. Not going to go into all that shit, but basically don't steal from your fucking clients, asshole. Summer 1997 is when he enters the picture, which is two years since John first saw the commercial. Is he even going to school anymore? (laughs) He's just suing Pepsi. That is his career right now. And then climbing. At this point, Michael isn't even a lawyer. He's still in law school, but he has experience in media relations. He's like 24. (laughs) So if you want to embarrass a company, he's kind of the perfect guy. Even if you lose in court, deep down, that doesn't really matter. The court of public opinion is the real judge. Just ask Casey Anthony. Yes. (laughs) So yeah, John starts doing radio and television interviews all over the country. And it helps that he's charismatic. So Pepsi starts going on the offensive and talks to reporters, and their main claim is millions of people saw the commercial and laughed at the jet. Do I not understand comedy? Because I never recall laughing at that commercial. No, there was nothing (laughs) funny about it. And what's what's sad is that it was supposed to be kind of funny. (laughs) And this kid is just taking advantage of the legal system. Yes, we did file a lawsuit against him first, but he's the bad guy, not us. A billion dollar corporation. We're just a feeble billion-dollar company that's just just trying to get by. <laughs> God, it's so outrageous. The PepsiCo spokesperson, John Harris, keeps trying to put out there that this was just a money grab by John. But I don't know how you could say that when John turned down actual money because he, he just, just wants, wants the goddamn jet. jet. Just give Bart Simpson his elephant. <laughs> Seriously. And I'm upset with the ending because Bart eventually got stampy. <laughs> so then the media starts bringing up the McDonald's hot coffee lawsuit, which, which first pissed off, me off because that was a outrageous. Completely, like, completely she different thing. It. And also that woman did get really super injured. Yeah. Like it fucking melted her vagina. Okay. <laughs> like she deserved every goddamn cent. Yes. I've gotten into a tub before with too hot a water. I, I can kind of relate. That <laughs> didn't seriously injure me. Yeah, you didn't scald your labia. No. <laughs> Just went ow, ow, ow. <laughs> and remember to check the temperature next time. And also, I feel like this didn't give enough props to that news guy who handed John aviator sunglasses and then snatched him back and said, said clearly it was kidding. a joke. We don't mean to give to you, these to you. Now that's comedy. <laughs> I laughed at that. And then Kenneth Kevin Bacon goes on TV to publicly say that a Harrier jet couldn't even be sold to the public because it hadn't been demilitarized, despite what he supposedly told John earlier. Regardless to me, that feels like even more false advertising by Pepsi. Not only did you advertise something that you knew you weren't going to be able to actually give away, you didn't even have the authority to give it away, even if you could. Yeah, like you didn't check the legality of your prize. And then John's mom goes into a story about him running out of oxygen one time when he was climbing. Like, I I guess implying someone from Pepsi let out all the oxygen out of his tank. That was so funny. I couldn't really focus when she started the story going into full goofy mode by saying, oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) I lost focus. I had to go back and rewind and listen again. Oh my gosh. John eventually receives a call from a guy named Victor Miller, not the writer of the original Friday the 13th, but some guy claiming to be an arms dealer who says he owns a Harrier jet. It's 
it's all very confusing but he, he also been, didn't want to be interviewed <laughs> he had been hired by an insurance company working under the ad agency for pepsi to get this jet it was anyway it's apparent proof that Real a civilian sketch. could buy a harrier jet and he faxes john over a receipt for the proof of sales i think the shady thing that stands out most is he bought it for two hundred and fifty thousand dollars <laughs> I thought he was paid $250,000 to find it. It was all confusing. Yeah. I, his story was obviously ludicrous to begin with. And it's also shady that Victor isn't in this docuseries because he asked for a ton of money to appear on it. They don't normally pay people to appear in documentaries. Yeah. You we just get that from a bad vegan. Remember, she like got paid under the table. Yes. Because <laughs> they were like, we don't pay people. John doesn't care how shady this all sounds, so he and Michael fly to go meet this guy to see the jet in early 1997. They talk to him and ask to see it, and instead he pulls out a shrimp platter, which would absolutely work on my fat ass. Ta-da! Mama loves her some shrimp. Shrimps? Shrimps. Basically, what they figure out is Pepsi is either going to have to pay John the price of the jet, or they'll have to actually get him a jet, and this Victor guy wanted to be the middleman in that and make some cash out of it. Which, like, what the fuck? We don't need a middleman. Like, we're already dealing with Pepsi ourselves. And also, what was this about, like, you had to purchase a minimum of six? Like, you couldn't even just buy one. I feel like that didn't get talked about enough. That you can't just go out and buy one. You have to buy them in, like, sixes. Anyway, they go into a montage of ha- montage of how John and Michael Avenatti went on a road trip and how their friendship grew. And I legit belly laughed. At the shit they showed and the disclaimer at the bottom of the screen that said stock footage does not necessarily represent their friendship. That was genius. <laughs> it was it was adorable. They were definitely <sighs> broing out. The lawsuits at this point are at a standstill. Michael wants to get the ball rolling again, so he starts digging into past promotions Pepsi had done to try and see if he could find anything they tried to hide. First big thing he finds is that Pepsi ran that same commercial in Canada, except they actually put the disclaimer about the jet on that one. Is it because Canadians have more money? (laughs) And I guess they started in Canada first and then in the U.S.? So why have the disclaimer and then remove it when they aired it in a bigger market? That says they wanted people to think they could actually get the jet as a prize to boost sales. And then Michael discovers the 349 incident, or the Pepsi number fever, which was a promotion held by PepsiCo in the Philippines in 1992 that led to riots and the deaths of at least five people. God, that was so sad. I was happy to see they covered this incident because it's fucking bonkers. I mean, there are so many things that huge companies get to just gloss over in their timelines. So February 92, Pepsi announced that they would print numbers ranging from 001 to 999 on the inside of caps of Pepsi products. Each day, they would reveal the number for that day, and people could redeem their winning caps from anywhere from 100 pesos, or 4 U.S. dollars, to the grand prize of 1 million pesos, or about 40,000 U.S. dollars, which would have been equivalent to 611 times the average monthly salary in the Philippines at this time. Yeah, it was outrageous. This promotion increased Pepsi sales from 10 million to 14 million. By May, 51,000 prizes had been redeemed, including 17 grand prizes. So they extended the promotion beyond the originally planned end date of May 8th by another five weeks. Big mistake. On May 25th, the grand prize number for that day was 349. Grand prize bottle caps were tightly controlled by Pepsi with two bottles with the winning caps, as well as a security code for confirmation. However, before the contest was extended to add winning, new winning numbers, 800,000 regular bottle caps had already been printed with the number 349, but just without the security code, which added up to 32 billion U.S. dollars. That's billion with a B. <laughs> B-b-billion. So, of course, thousands of Filipinos rushed to the Pepsi bottling plants to claim their prizes. Pepsi initially said, no, 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 no. These caps don't have the security code. Therefore, they can't be redeemed. Adding to the confusion, newspapers the next morning announced that the winning number was actually 134. (laughs) After an emergency meeting within Pepsi, the company decided to offer 500 pesos, or 18 U.S. dollars, to winners as a gesture of goodwill. 
which is not even a fraction of what you said I won. 486,170 people accepted this offer at a cost of 8.9 million U.S. dollars. However, not everyone took them up on this offer and decided to boycott Pepsi products and held rallies outside Pepsi and government offices. On February 13, 1993, a school teacher and a five-year-old child were killed by a homemade bomb thrown at a Pepsi truck. I don't remember them really talking about the child dying. In they this. didn't mention the, the child at all. Yeah, there was also a child killed. And in May, three Pepsi employees were killed by a grenade thrown into a warehouse. Pepsi executives continued to receive death threats, and as many as 37 company trucks were damaged by being pushed over, stoned, or burned. There were claims of people being paid by Pepsi to initiate riots to frame protesters as terrorists, something we've heard many times, <laughs> or suggested that the attacks were being perpetrated by rival bottlers attempting to take advantage of the situation. You really, like, Coke is out there just, like, <laughs> throwing Molotov cocktails at Pepsi trucks? Like, that's not a thing. So, yeah, definitely not something they want being brought up by Michael Avenetti. Pepsi has a history of fucking up promotions and not delivering what they promise. Michael wants to put out different advertisements of Pepsi deceiving a generation and featuring John with a black eye and the bruising look like an old Pepsi logo. It's very clever. It was brilliant. And another one with small print at the bottom of the ad basically talking about how they failed to put fine print on the ad about the jet. And finally, another, another ad which discusses the 349 incident in the Philippines. However, ad campaigns cost money. And lots of it. And they just expected Todd to pay for these? And he's very (laughs) against it because he says if you look up what they're doing, that's blackmail. You'd think you'd go to Coca-Cola and pitch it to them. (laughs) (laughs) Todd wants nothing to do with this because you're just asking for Pepsi to sue you. I love Todd's take on the whole situation now of John taking Michael's side over his. Michael's wearing an ankle monitor now, and I'm free to go wherever I want. (laughs) Yeah, he's like, I can sleep easy. In the end, John decides to follow Todd's advice in the situation, and rightfully so. Michael is in this to potentially make money, and Todd just wants what's best for John. 1998, three years since John first saw the commercial, is when they're finally going to trial with Pepsi. I'm 11. And to celebrate this, the series decides to play The Bad Touch by the Bloodhound Gang. (laughs) (laughs) Again, the music's great. It's all over the place. Uh, And that was a favorite of mine. (laughs) And not so much of a favorite by our parents. No, not at all. (laughs) No, I remember, like, peers singing it and, yeah. Adults being very upset. <laughs> so they hired David Nachman to represent John. In more recent news, he was part of the team that took on the Sackler family in regards to, you know, them creating the opioid crisis. And the judge chosen to preside over this case was Kimba Wood, a senior United States district judge. Jug. It's a long one a senior United States District Judge of the United States District Court for the Southern District of New York. How many times can you throw district into a title? At one point, she was in the running for Attorney General under Clinton. However, that fell apart when it was discovered that she had hired a nanny who was in the country illegally. So, you know, a part of the rules for thee, but not for me club. And later on, she would be referred to as the love judge for being part of an affair that led to a divorce between a socialite Nancy Richardson and investment banker Frank Richardson. And unfortunately for John, she usually sided with corporations during trials. So real fun that this is in New York. And John and his team of lawyers want this case to go before a jury because who better decide on this case than the actual public? Right, a jury of your peers. It's really a case of false advertisement to the public. But of course, Judge Wood said, nah. (laughs) Which is absolutely ridiculous because of course a judge who is, you know, super educated and uppity is going to be like, eh, who would fall for that? has a history of siding with corporations. We hear from Michael Patty again, the former creative director who had the idea for the commercial. He said originally it was supposed to read 700 million points for the jet because the whole point was to make it unattainable so people would, you know, not actually be able to get it. It would cost way more than actually buying a real one, 
But the executives at Pepsi said it would be more legible if there was less to see. And he they said, didn't I want, can't read it. <laughs> they didn't want people wondering what this thing was going to cost as it quickly showed up on screen. In other words, they wanted to make sure people could read it and would know how many points they would need to buy because they wanted people to think they could actually get this. This is so ridiculous that like too many zeros and he's like, I can't read this. I don't know what the number is. And apparently no one even considered the buying points part of the promotion. Right. It would be entirely <laughs> different if like that wasn't an option, but it was. Yeah. Also feel really bad for him because the commercial wasn't even what it was supposed to be because yeah. he wanted like the, you know, he wanted, funny like, kid. Yeah. Fat, funny dude who nobody would believe would have a jet kind of stuff. And right. And just like he said, it ended up being this almost like Top Gun type kid. Yeah. So then it just wasn't as funny. It would have been way funnier with the yes. kid he had drawn. So, yeah, that's their fuck up. And when it came to trial, he told Jeff Mordos, don't subpoena me because you don't want me testifying. (laughs) And really, no one from Pepsi seemed to have been disposed at all for this trial. For a good reason. Yeah, they got lucky. It sucks that Michael Patty never testified because, of of course, the judge sided with Pepsi. It was founded that the advertisement featuring the jet did not constitute an offer under the restatement second of contracts. Even if the advertisement had been an offer, no reasonable person would have believed that the company seriously intended to convey a jet worth roughly $37.4 million for $700,000, i.e. that it was mere puffery. Puffery, Kathleen. Pure puffery. I am <laughs> appalled at this. At the puffery? <laughs> because eight-year-old me definitely yes. would have been like, fuck yeah, I'm going to drink a lot of Pepsi and get yes. that jet. And the value of the alleged contract meant that it fell under the provisions of the statute of frauds. But the statute's requirements for a written agreement between parties was not fulfilled, so a contract had not been formed. Also, no school would provide landing space for a student's fighter jet or condone the disruption the jet's use would cause. Who cares? Nobody said he was going to fly to school. The kid, like... He's clearly a fucking college child. So because there was no written agreement to these people, it doesn't count? Does that just mean companies never have to pay for promotions? Your school wouldn't let you park the jet there. (laughs) Therefore, you don't get a jet. So bullshit. So her point was a reasonable person would have realized the humor in the commercial, but this commercial was clearly designed to entice children and young adults. So, fuck her. But also, John probably should have just taken the million dollars when it was offered to him years before. (laughs) He definitely should have taken the million dollars. But I'm pissed because he should have gotten his jet. (laughs) I have to agree that, like, legally, they should have had to... At least give him three million. Yes. (laughs) A tenth of what the jet... He should have been given the jet or offered more money. The series ends with Todd and John making it to the top of the mountain they were climbing in, Antarctica. Todd underwent successful surgery to remove his cancer and now is in remission. John got married and had kids, and the final count for the Coke-Pepsi taste test that occurred throughout the series ended 6-5 to five in Coke's favor. Uh, just real quickly, let me go back to how the 349 incident ended, <laughs> because it gets worse. Oh, I'm sure it does. <laughs> In the end of the 349 incident in the Philippines, about 22,000 people took legal action against Pepsi with at least 689 civil suits and 5,200 criminal complaints for fraud and deception being filed. In January 93, Pepsi paid a back-breaking fine of 150,000 pesos to the Department of Trade and Industry for violating the approved conditions of the promotion. (laughs) 150,000 pesos. It is nothing. It is pennies. On June 24th, 96, a trial court awarded the plaintiffs in one of the lawsuits 10,000 pesos or about 380 U.S. dollars each for moral damages. Three of the plaintiffs appealed and on July 3rd, 2001, this was still going on in the 2000s. Jesus. They were awarded 30,000 pesos or about 570 U.S. dollars as well as attorney fees. Pepsi appealed the decision, and when the suit reached the Philippine Supreme Court in 2006, the court ruled that Pepsi wasn't liable to pay the amounts printed on the caps, nor were they liable for any damages resulting from the incident. People died. I know. A child died. 
They also ruled that the issues surrounding the 349 incident have been laid to rest and must no longer be disturbed in this decision. In other words, fuck you. (laughs) I I still won't drink Pepsi, though. (laughs) I feel that you can't really boycott all the shitty things because everyone is so shitty. There's just so much. Yeah. So that's my justification because... But it's just all this bullshit from a billion-dollar corporation. Oh, yeah. I believe it. It was a fine docuseries. I know it was meant to be fun, but it had a hard time keeping my attention. <laughs> it was just too long. And could have used more action shots of someone riding a bike. There was not enough of that in that first episode. <laughs> Take out all the bullshit mountain climbing in Antarctica. Just give us more bikes. Get at me, Netflix. But also, I will still continue to drink Pepsi. (laughs) It's delicious. And I wish they spent more time discussing the Philippines incident because that's an absolutely bonkers story. I feel like there just needs to be like a documentary series. Just on that? (laughs) Not even just on that for like Pepsi, but all these huge companies that have had, you know... Like the whole so many, banana yeah. thing and the formula thing. It just like, I mean, there would be so many episodes yeah. where we could all just be enraged at all the shit that people have gotten away with in big companies. Or like the train crash incident that's going on now in Ohio. Yes. <laughs> where a small town is on fire and people cannot breathe. Seriously, it I'm would sure be cancer cases will be going up in that area over the years. We need to pitch this to someone. Netflix. We have no pull. What are you talking about? <laughs> Somebody, please. It would be an amazing documentary series. Yeah, those people got way more screwed than John did, and they don't have a whole Netflix docu series on it. I don't think we've decided on next week's episode just yet, but there's a couple interesting things on Hulu to look at. Yeah. We haven't been on Hulu in a while, I don't think. We have not. <laughs> it's time we get back, except for uh, Abbott Elementary, but obviously that's not a documentary, unless you No, but I mean, pretend. I'm sure we could talk about a half hour about how great it is. <laughs> <laughs> when she orders the ribs. I'm, I'm just going to oh go God. light. I'm going to get the beef ribs. My favorite's still the Halloween episode. The little boy dressed like the janitor. Uh-huh. <laughs> Baby <laughs> Thanos. <laughs> All the candy. Okay. Okay, we'll be back. Bye. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to Talk to Me. The opening music is by Twisterium. For comments or suggestions, we can be reached by email at doctomepod at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at doctomepod and find a link to our Facebook group in the show notes. Thank you.